Good morning, church. I'm excited about today, excited about uh, what I feel like the Lord put in my heart this week to share with you. We're going to continue uh, the series, The Gospel, this week. We've got this week and one more week, and we've been in the, the book of Galatians the last few weeks, and so we're going to continue in that. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 again this week. We looked at the first part of uh, Galatians 5 last week, and so we're going to wrap up Galatians 5 um, this week. And uh, before we do that, though, I do want to recognize some folks. Um, our William James baseball team is here today, and so I want to ask them to stand if they will and recognize them. They, um, Thank you, guys. They, uh, they come each year. They have a, a Sunday that they pick to come and, and worship with us as a team. And so um, it's always special for them to be here. I was able to coach at William James uh, the last two years up until this year. And uh, they're very special to me. I got to coach most of these guys for a couple of years. And it was a great time. They're a great group of young men. And uh, just make sure you win the region again this year. All right, don't let us down. Um, but we are going to continue in uh, Galatians chapter 5, and uh, I'm excited about this week. I felt like the Lord uh, spoke to my heart a lot this week, and um, my prayer is that, and what I, what I know is that God is able to use us to communicate His message. Um, the challenge is what God speaks to my heart or your heart and then what we speak and then what is heard uh, can oftentimes be different things. And so my prayer is and has been that the Holy Spirit bridges that gap and that God speaks to your heart uh, exactly what he wants to speak and that he moves in a way that our hearts are changed, um, that we don't leave here the same way that we came this morning. And so I want to read to you Galatians chapter 5. I'm actually going to read uh, the first verse, and then we'll jump over to verse 13. It says in Galatians 5.1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. As we've been going through Galatians, we've looked at how these men had come to the churches in Galatia and they had begun to preach um, a message that basically said, you've got to add works to your faith if you're going to be saved uh, by Christ, if you're gonna have a relationship with Jesus and have right standing with God. They were specifically speaking of circumcision and this was more than a surgery, it was a theological um, way of thinking. It was a way of approaching God in which uh, they would try to earn their way to God rather than receiving uh, the relationship that's offered to us through Christ. And so Paul's message, the gospel, is that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. But if we add anything to that, we try to earn that, um, it's no longer the gospel. It's all God. It's God who, uh, his spirit who awakens us to who Jesus is and gives us that revelation. It's the spirit who comes to us and, and even gives us the ability to trust and have faith 
And so it's all God from beginning to end in our faith. And that's what Paul is fighting for in the book of Galatians. And so he says, don't be yoked again uh, to this slavery, meaning the law, trying to earn salvation. Verse 13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Well, let's pray and we'll jump in. Lord, thank you so much for your love for us as Chase talked about, God, that even while we were sinners, even while we still struggle in this flesh, God, you you love us and you gave Jesus. Jesus, you came, you laid down your rights, you laid down everything that was due to you so that you could come and take our place on the cross, take our place in the wrath of God. God, and then you didn't stop there, but God, you raised him on the third day to give us life and give us hope. And God, I pray that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the the power of your spirit would work in us. God, let us know you more. Let us walk in that resurrection power. God, fill us today with all of who you are and empty us today of all that keeps us from being full and filled in you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, as we've looked at the book of Galatians and we got into chapter five, really what's happening is Paul is showing some um, contrasting viewpoints. When you get into chapter five, if you look at verses two through six, basically what Paul, the apostle Paul, writing to these churches in Galatia is saying is, look, in two through six, he's saying, there's two ways that you can approach God. There's two ways that you can come to right standing with God. The first way is through the law or through the rules by um, adhering perfectly to God's command. Uh, The second way is by faith in Christ, that we accept his righteousness that comes by faith or belief and trust in his promises and who he is versus coming to a place of us trying to earn it. When you look at verses 7 through 12, he's basically saying there's two messages that you can share or that can be preached. One of them is faith by what you do, by works. The other is faith and salvation through faith in Jesus. When we come to uh, these next few verses, 13 through 26, uh, what Paul begins to do is show us two different ways of living. Um, And so when you look at chapter five, it's really like Paul brings us to sort of a why in the road. Um, I don't know how many of you are like me, but I have uh, an ability to get myself lost. Um, and, And even when I'm, following uh, Google Maps or whatever it might be, I can still make a wrong turn. 
Well, that's what the Galatians were about to do. They were about to make a wrong turn. Paul is trying to bring them to a place, a a course correction, and get them back on the right path. And so what we're seeing today is that Paul is saying there are two ways to live. If you look in the very first verse, he says that you can live according to your flesh. You can live according to your desires. You can live according to um, what you want. You can live for your will. You can go after the, the things that you desire. And he says in the next few verses, or we can walk by the Spirit, and you won't indulge the flesh. You won't go after sin. You'll walk in the power of God. You'll walk in the ability um, of God. You'll walk in, in, in the righteousness of God and you'll have the ability to finally do what you were created to do. And so he's bringing us to this why in the road. And he tells us that basically we have freedom. He says, you, you've been set free. You, and what have we been set free from? We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from condemnation. We've been set free from a guilty conscience. We've been forgiven all of those things. We've been set free to those things. We've been set free from sin. And so the bondage of sin has been broken. And he's saying you are now free. In other words, you don't have to be under the yoke of slavery to sin any longer. It means now we have the ability because of who God is and who God is in us to live in freedom. But sometimes I think when we hear Christian freedom and we see where Jesus and, 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 and uh, Paul here is talking about being free, sometimes I believe we hear Christian freedom and we equate that to what we have in our civil liberties. Civil liberties are the rights that we have um, according to our government, according to the law, um, according to those things that we have um, the ability to choose, to, to do what we want to do as long as it's within the framework of what it allows. And sometimes I think what happens is we get to a place where because especially in the United States, we are so blessed with all the civil liberties that we have, we begin to look at freedom in Christ as if it's something that allows me to do what I want to do. It's like I said last week, Jesus didn't teach us to pray pray thy kingdom come, my will be done. He taught us to pray thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, that we don't live for our own purposes. We don't live for our own gain. We don't live for what we want. We live for God. We live according to who he is. And so sometimes I believe what happens is we hear the message of the gospel. We come to a place where we confess Jesus as our Savior and Lord. We feel we have secured our eternal destiny. We're, 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 we're going to heaven. We've got that down. And then Jesus really just becomes a part of our life instead of the source of our life. He becomes a part of our life, but really it's so that I can be confident and comfortable in my eternal destination, but allowing me to still pursue the American dream and what I want. 
But that's not what Christian freedom is. See, Christian freedom does not hinge on our ability or inability to do what I want to do. Christian freedom hinges on my ability or inability to do what I was created to do. And it's a huge difference. We weren't set free to do what I want to do. We were set free so I can do what I was created to do. In other words, through Jesus and through what he did, he set us free to be able to live for God. He set us free to be able to walk away from sin. He set us free to no longer be slaves of sin, but now we become servants of Christ. As Paul says in uh, Romans, the letter to the Roman Romans, he said in chapter six, look, you were slaves to sin. Now offer yourselves as slaves of righteousness. And so we need to see that it's not like we go from a slave to sin to somewhere in the middle where we have Jesus, but now I'm serving myself. We go from a slave to sin to a servant of Christ. And the same word that Paul uses can mean slave or servant. But what we see is that we are going to be a servant. We're going to be a slave to something or someone. What Jesus has done in setting us free is he's given us the ability to no longer have to submit to an abusive master of sin. And so when we look at what it is to be a slave to sin, there's a huge difference difference in what it looks like to be a slave to sin and a slave to righteousness, to be a slave to sin and a servant of Christ. When we look at being a slave to sin, it's really forced subjection. It's abusive. It's damaging. It doesn't seek to help us. It seeks to hurt us. We see that the burden of this slavery to sin is heavy. It's working for acceptance. It's being exploited and used. It's giving us this restlessness and striving that we're always trying to attain something instead of living in the security of what we have attained. Slavery to sin leads us to death. But Satan, listen, Satan paints this as a promise that will lead to fulfillment, but when it's done, and it's done with us, it leads us to destruction. It robs us of life. It's why John 10, 10, when he's speaking of Satan says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Because that is the nature of Satan. That's the nature of sin, is to always take, to take life from us. But Paul says that if we submit ourselves, we come to Christ, it looks like a completely different thing. Instead of it being forced subjection, it's a willing submission. It's realizing that I now can come to God. I can have an intimate relationship and communion with God that I could not have before. I have the option to walk away from this slavery to sin and death and hell and the grave, and I can come to Christ now. I can come to God now, and I can have life. I don't have to be put in this place anymore. I can walk in freedom. And we see that 
when we look at what Jesus has done, why wouldn't we not willingly submit ourselves where the burden is heavy when we're a slave to sin? Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 that his burden is light. When we look at our position with Christ, we're no longer working for acceptance. We're living from acceptance. We're not working for significance and security. We've already got that because of Christ in us. The intent of submitting to Christ is to empower us, to empower us to do what we were created to do. Submitting ourselves to Christ doesn't cause us to be restless and striving. It gives rest and peace. It leads to life. See, where Satan promises something that will fulfill us and it never does, it doesn't lead to life. It leads to destruction. Jesus gives us promises. He is faithful. And when we trust in his promises, lean into God and we follow him, laying down our life, contrary to our thinking, we actually find life. It doesn't make sense that to deny myself, to lay down my life, equals finding life. But that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what Jesus tells us. And Jesus has set us free so we no longer have to offer ourselves to sin. We can offer ourselves to Christ and to righteousness. It's a completely different way of living. It's a completely new life. It's not a better me. It's becoming a new creation. As you look at uh, verse 13, and you really look through to verse 18, what you see, and this is something that caught my attention. This is where God kind of blew my mind and, and really opened my eyes and stepped on my toes and, and, and really convicted and challenged me this week because I realized that in verse 13, when he talks about not indulging the flesh, he contrasts that. He says, rather serve one another humbly in love. And what grabbed my attention is when Paul uses love to contrast indulging the flesh. When Paul uses love and walking in the spirit to contrast sin and indulging in my flesh. And when I saw that, I was like, why did Paul not use righteousness? Why didn't he say rather live in righteousness? Why didn't he say rather live in holiness? Why didn't he say rather live in justice? The reason that he didn't say that is because I believe that what the Bible shows us right here is that love is the opposite of sin. Love is the opposite of sin. You cannot sin against your neighbor when you are loving your neighbor. But we have this mindset of what love is. But the definition of love that Paul's using is not a feeling or a desire that I really just want to do something. It's a word that's uh, pronounced agape. It's a selfless love. It's a giving love. It's a serving love. It's a love of choice, not of feeling, not of my flesh. It's the same love that, uh, that, that Jesus gives us. It's a love of choice and, and serving. And he's saying, look, if you love your brothers, love your sisters, love your neighbor, you cannot sin against them at the same time. 
He says, that's why if you fill this commandment, you fulfill this one thing, it's the opposite of indulging in the flesh. They're opposite forces, sin working in us and the spirit working in us to produce love and joy, all of the fruit of the spirit. They're opposite forces. And if we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us and those forces collide inside of us. That's why it says that the spirit is contrary to the flesh. The flesh is contrary to the spirit. Their desires aren't the same. And inside of us, if we are in Christ, there should be a battle that goes on that is the spirit leading us to Christ leading us to righteousness in our flesh saying whoa that's not where I want to go but we have to realize and remember that my flesh died on the cross with Jesus I no longer have to submit to my flesh. Now I don't have to submit to my desires. I don't have to submit to my wants. Now I have the ability, not within myself, but with the spirit inside of me to be able to walk in the righteousness of God. I don't have to live like that anymore. That's the good news. That's that we've been set free from sin. We have life in Christ. We can now fulfill our purpose. We don't have to live for me anymore. We don't have to pursue things that never do what they promise to do. Now we can trust in a God. We can live for a God who every promise he is faithful to fulfill. You don't have to live in that way any longer. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says this. It says the acts of the flesh are obvious. The acts of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so he lays out for us a little more information about sin, about our flesh. And I want you to see that sin is something, if you look at all of the things he listed, they're all focused on me. They're all selfish in nature. It's me getting what I want. If you look at these verses, they all look to take. Sin always looks to take from someone else. If you look at what he says, he says these are acts of the flesh, acts of our sinful nature. And so they're momentary pleasures that in the end rob us of life. We look at it and we see that sin is an empty action. And so if you look at it, you can realize that sin is a momentary empty action that never fulfills. If you go on now and read over in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
Since we live by the Spirit, our life has come. We went from death to life by the Spirit through faith in Christ. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. In other words, don't focus on you. But when we look at love, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, what we see is that these things are all focused on others. They're God-centered When we look at this, we see that love, the Spirit, always looks to give rather than to take. We look at love and we see it's the fruit of the Spirit. And so we see that it's eternal. It's not like a banana or an apple that's going to go bad in a few days. It's the fruit of the Spirit being produced in us. So it means it's there. Jesus said that we would have the Holy Spirit and he would flow through us like rivers of living water, an unending source. And so when we look at the fruit, he's saying this is something that is going to be there. He's going to work in you when you follow the Spirit, when you're led by the Spirit. This is what God produces. He begins to produce the character and nature of God in you. And so he's working in us and it looks to give us love and the spirit and it gives us eternal pleasure that's without end instead of pleasure that robs us in the end. The fruit and the love of God, the love of the spirit equals a full existence rather than an empty action. It's continual. And so where sin is a momentary empty action as an attempt to fill us, the spirit and the fruit of the spirit is an existence, it's a way of being that is continuous, it's a life that is full because it is God who's filling us. So that acts only happen in a specific moment. It's why when we look at acts, um, they, they, they happen, but then they're done. It's why sin can never fulfill us fully. It can never fulfill us continually because by the nature of sin, it has to happen over and over and over again. And even if we could do that act every second of every day, it still would not fulfill because you know as well as I do that what excites us at one time, what is great now, gets old later. In everything, everything that we can attain, acquire, do, after a while it gets old. It's not fresh any longer. And so sin cannot fulfill. Sin leaves us empty and continually having to try to fill ourselves. It's why we get locked into um, pornography or addictions or we get locked into um, some habit that we're repeating over and over again. It's why we go from one sexual partner to the next, to the next, to the next, because when I get tired of that one, maybe this one will do it for me, but it never does. It's just a continual process of trying to fill me with things that won't fill me. It's settling for Satan's counterfeit instead of the real thing. And this is good news, y'all. It's good news because we don't have to live like that anymore. Jesus set us free from that kind of living, from empty, void, living And we can now live in the fullness of God, in the fullness of who he is. We can live in 
his power. We're enabled to move away from our wants, our agenda, and fulfill the will of God to do what we were created to do and live in the fullness of God and filling the earth with his glory. But love and sin, they're opposite. Sin looks to take and love always gives. Our flesh leaves us empty. Sin leaves us empty. The spirit fills us and gives us life. I'm going to ask, um, I got something I want to do. I'm going to ask for a volunteer. Anybody want to volunteer? Not the same person that volunteered last service, but somebody, come. you can come on up. It's always interesting to see the, the volunteers. Some of y'all are like, there is no way I'm getting up there. <laughs> so anyway, um, I want to do something, and and. and and this is something that I felt like God showed me and it helped me understand what God wants to do in my life. And so you can just stand right there for a second. It won't take but a second um, and uh, we'll, we'll get you out of here. Uh, but if, I'm, if I come up to you and we're walking down the street and, and you're coming this way, I'm coming that way, and I approach you and I have an empty can, jar, whatever, hat, whatever it might be, and I hold this out to you, and I look at you, and I, I, I'm kind of holding that empty jar out, what would you think I'm asking you to do? Put your gum in there. Put something in there, right? It's empty, so, uh, so you're the guy that drops the gum in the, in the guitar case. Okay, um, but anyway, but I'm, I'm looking for him to put something in my jar. I'm, I'm looking to get something from him. And this is kind of tough with a handheld because this jar is really heavy. All right. But if I walk up to you and I hold this jar out, this full of coins, what would you think that I'm offering you? Some change, right? I am coming to you and I'm offering to give you something. I'm looking to give. I'm not looking to receive. And what I realize in this is so many times this is how we live. So that when we walk through life, as we go through life, we're constantly looking to take. We're constantly looking for something to fill. We're constantly looking for that momentary thing that's going to make life work for me. And the reality of it is it continually leaves us empty. But then when we come to Christ and we're, you can go sit down, man. That's all I need. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anyway, give him a hand. The next George Clooney right there. So anyway, but then when we're walking with Christ, we've come to faith in Christ. We're living for Christ. We're abiding in Christ, continuing in him. His spirit is in us, flowing through us. We're, we're looking to him to do in us what only he can do. This is what our life begins to look like. It's full. And so we no longer live continually looking to people to give. We're able to get to a place where we have an ability to give to them. We're no longer looking for other people to satisfy, give security, fill my life because I've come to a place where I am full of God. I am 
fulfilled in God. I have found my security in God. I found my confirmation in God. I found my significance in God. Everything that God created me to be and to have and to do is now within me. It's not outside of me. It's no longer something I'm chasing. It's someone that chased me and found me and has now filled me in a way that I could not possibly have been filled otherwise. Here's, here's what I realized in this, that it's easy to understand that if someone has not come to faith or belief and trust in Christ, then it's easy for us to understand their life is going to look like this, right? It's easy to understand that they are empty, they're void. But here's the thing that, that is devastating, that is hard for us to understand is why are so many people who claim to be Christians, who put their faith, their belief and trust in Jesus, who have access to God, who have the ability to walk in the power of the Spirit, they have the ability to be filled and satisfied, secure in God. Why are so many people who fit that category walking around like this? I'm telling you guys, look, look, this is not how you were created to live. This is not how we have been recreated in Christ to live. Not continually chasing empty momentary actions that can never fulfill. Not trying to fulfill the lust of our flesh, the desires of our, our own flesh, but resting in, being fulfilled in God through the power of his spirit. I realize this has huge implications because if you look at this, this is why most marriages struggle. It's because we come into the marriage or we get into the marriage and this is how we are. And so rather than both people being full we're empty. Rather than us looking to give, we're always looking to take. Rather than us looking to serve, we're looking to be served. Rather than us wanting to do something for them, we're looking to them to do something for us. We're putting an unreal, unimaginable, unimpossible expectation on our spouse because we're asking them to fill us in a way that only God can fill us. But if we come to a place where my satisfaction, my purpose, my desires are in Christ, I'm walking and abiding and continuing in Jesus, and I'm being filled with the power of his spirit, then I quit looking to always take. I quit looking to always be served, and I start looking to give. I start looking to serve. And it makes a huge difference in our parenting. And listen, this got all over my toes. I, I understand. But listen, here's the reality. The reason we look for our children to fulfill us and fill our uh, desires to satisfy us, the reason we look to our children and we live through our children so often is because this is where we are. 
So rather than us being full and pouring into and giving to our children, we look for our children to give to us. The whole time we're training them to live like this. Y'all can go home now. But look, guys, look, 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 look. The whole week, this is the thought I had as God was pummeling me under truth. This is good news. This is good news. I don't have to live this way. I have a God who made a way for me to come to him and now fulfills me in a way that I cannot be fulfilled otherwise but I can't be one foot in and one foot out. I'm either trusting in his promises or I'm not. I'm believing in who he says he is or I'm not. There's no halfway. There's no third option. Either I'm earning my way to God or I'm receiving life through Christ. There's no third option. There's no freedom that says I can have him and live for me. It's why he said, take up your cross and follow me he means die to your flesh and follow and it doesn't make sense to our understanding of life and our intellect but when we lose our life we go from this to this he fills us he gives us what we can't obtain on our own we have to come to a place of realizing that one, this is me. Two, I don't have to live this way if I'm in Christ. And if I'm not in Christ, then I need to trust in his provision on the cross and taking my sin and the wrath of God, taking my place, dying in my place so that I could have life rising through the resurrection so that one day I too will rise. And in light of all of that, how can I not offer myself as a servant of Christ, as a slave of righteousness because of what he's done? I do not believe that God is impressed when we look to his hands for what he can give, but do not acknowledge the scars by which he saved us. That's not what it's about. That's not how we're fulfilled. It's why so many people on Sundays, they walk in like this. It's why so many people on Sundays come in as consumers, not contributors. Because we come in empty. We come in like this and we want to leave like this. So we consume the pastor's studies. We consume the worship team's anointing. We consume other people's service. We consume other people's resources. Because all we can really do is look to take because I'm not here. But when we get to a place of satisfied and fulfilled in Christ and trusting in him and walking in him, we come to a place again, we're not looking to receive, we're looking to give. And I understand that we get to this place sometimes. I understand we come in to be taught, we come in to worship, we come in to... to to fellowship we come in and all those things are good and all those things are needed and all those things are true but those things should happen out of an overflow of this not in an attempt to fill this 
The reason it's so hard for us so many times to get into worship, to feel like worshiping, to get into the word, to hear the word, to to be encouraged, to get something out of the word is because we don't come in full, we come in empty. We come in looking for an hour and 15 minutes to fill me. That's not what John 15 says. It talks about abiding. It talks about remaining. It means continue in Christ. It means continue walking with him. He says, just as I am in you, or you are in me and I am in you, saying, look, we're in this thing together. Remain, don't go, continue in faith, continue to follow, continue to press in, continue to be full Don't settle for momentary empty actions when you can have the fullness of life that comes through Christ and the Holy Spirit. Don't settle. Don't settle for this. This doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring love. It doesn't bring an ability to fulfill our purposes. This gives us true freedom to do what we were created to do, which is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Don't settle for empty. Here's the options. We can live this way, we can live full. If you've never come to faith in Christ, this is your life, it's void, empty, purposeless. All we can do is really go after momentary actions to try to fulfill desires in our heart, but they're never gonna be satisfied. They're never gonna be fulfilled. But when we come to Christ, the promise is that when we repent or turn from sin and we turn to Jesus, what happens is he gives us his spirit and he fills us with himself. That's what happens in the moment of faith. Faith and repentance happen and then we receive a right standing with God and the power of the Holy Spirit. But if this is where you're at and you've never put your faith in Christ, then my prayer is, and my prayer has been, and I understand this, I can't do this, but my prayer has been that God would speak to your heart to open your eyes that you don't have to live this way. You can be full and fulfilled and satisfied, have a purpose and do what you were created to do in Christ by coming to that place of trusting and believing in his promises, surrendering to him as Savior and Lord. And if you have not done that, but the Lord is speaking to your heart that today is the day of salvation and you say, that's what I want, then I'm gonna ask you right now to be bold and to stand to your feet and say, I need Christ. I've settled for too long. I've gone through the motions. I've been around him, but I've never trusted in him. The other possibility is that this is you. You've come to faith in Christ, but you began to look at the other things. You began to be drawn away. We've taken our eyes off of him and now we're empty. I'm gonna give you the opportunity when I pray, you can come down here and pray. You can come and the Bible tells us that if we ask and we seek and we knock, that God is faithful to give us his spirit. The Bible says he doesn't give us to it, give him to us in a small amount, but he gives 
us the Spirit liberally, abundantly. And you can take a step of faith. You can respond to God. Listen, faithfulness is listening to God and doing what He says. So I'm encouraging you to respond to how God prompts your heart. If you're empty, you don't have to live that way. If you're empty, you can come to fullness in Christ, but it's only through Him. So I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask you to move and then the band's gonna sing and we're gonna go out and live like the church, not settling for momentary empty actions, but living in the fullness of Christ. So let's pray and you can respond to God in faithfulness. Lord, thank you so much for your heart for us. God, thank you for your word and truth and all you do in us, God. You really are amazing, Lord, and you do so much more than we deserve, God. We deserve eternal separation from you, but you give us grace, you give us life in Christ. Thank you for him. Thank you that you took our place died our death so we could have life, Lord. I pray you would work in our hearts even after we've gone, Lord, in Jesus' name.